The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Which came first, God or goddess? Why is there a resurgence now of the divine feminine and more of a focus on feminine wisdom? My expert today is Julie Lohr, and she is a person that has delved very deeply into the exploration of goddesses. As a result of a near-death experience, Julie pursued her lifelong interest in angels, dreams, space travel, and other dimensions through an intensive 25-year study of metaphysics. Julie has a spiritual practitioner and a teacher since 1972. She focuses on symbols, mythology, astrology, astronomy, tarot, Kabbalah, and the dreams. She is the author of Messengers, The Hidden Power of Everyday Things, and the award-winning Tarot and Dream Interpretations. And now her latest book, Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World, is a wonderful piece that can help you to understand the meanings, the myths, the symbolism behind the different goddesses and take a very meditative experience over the next 365 days to really explore where those goddesses resonate with your inner spirit, how you identify with these different archetypes. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Julie Lohr to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you, Simran. It's wonderful to be here today. It's great to have you. There seems to be a lot of discussion now, more and more. It's almost as if it's sweeping the planet about the sacred feminine and the divine feminine and and how we are to connect to the goddess. Why is that, that all of a sudden there is this resurgence? You know, it's a really big question, and I'm not sure anybody can answer it exactly. There's um, a vast cycle of time that's a circle that that, uh, astronomers call the procession of the equinoxes. It's that big cycle of time that gives us the astrological ages. Probably everybody has heard the term, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And I think my own kind of sense is we've moved out of, uh, from 4,000 years ago, the age of Aries, the age of heroes, sort of a, a violent time that shifted then into the age of Pisces, where it was more the age of the sacrificial savior. And now we're moving into an age of Aquarius, which as that energy really begins to express itself, I think we'll see something much more egalitarian. And so in a sense, it's time. Plus, I think the pendulum has swung really too far to the masculine side, and things need to be brought back into balance. That's probably a simplistic answer, but I think it's part of it. 
Well, I think it's a great answer, and, and you're right. Sometimes we have to um, go completely back to the other side to bring something into balance when we've gone too far. And it does seem like much of the world's issues have been ruled by the masculine power, um, not to say men necessarily, but to say the masculine essence, which is really the doingness and the the um, the real more of the the mind, the intellect, rather than the heart. And if I'm not mistaken, much of the feminine has to do with really feeling and going into the heart and acting from a very, very deep, deep place that is almost ancient. I think that's right. I, I would agree with you completely, and I think that um, we can we can generalize and maybe say that, that what is often called being the left brain is more masculine in nature and the right brain more feminine. Many archetypes around the world, for example, containers like chalices, like the grail, are always seen as feminine, where things like, like swords or blades or wands or staffs are are perhaps for obvious reasons, always seen as masculine. And that that energy, as you said, the male energy is more about doing, projecting, moving out into the world. And, of course, we all have that within us. Where the feminine energy, I believe, is more receptive. It's more about holding something and understanding its essence and really being something more than doing something. And so I think we're all trying to bring that into a sense of equilibrium within ourselves. Well, as a 25-year practitioner, spiritual practitioner and a teacher and and one who has really delved into metaphysics and so many other areas such as astrology and astronomy and tarot and all of the things that you've done, obviously it was an intuitive nudge that led you in this direction to create this book at this time. What does all of this really mean to you in the experience of creating it? Boy, that's a great question, too. And, you know, it's probably more, less like a nudge and more like a, a shove <laughs> in, in some ways. What actually got me started on the path was somebody hired me several, I guess, five years ago now to, uh, to ghostwrite a novel. And it, the novel was set, set 2,000 years ago, sort of in, in biblical times and around there. And truthfully, that was not an area of expertise for me. So I had to do a lot of research and reading. And along the way, what I discovered was this many thousand year lineage and legacy of the sacred feminine around the world that I didn't even know existed, only peripherally. So it became a really very personal thing in my life. I think my mantra for months was, why don't I know this? Why aren't we taught this in school? Why isn't this more known? So it sort of almost became like a crusade in some ways and the idea to write the book and the biggest reason for the book from my heart is to allow people especially women to have a sense of the legacy that we have that's been forgotten and in many cases just suppressed even demonized in some way and I think it's time people know that that was the case in an effort to bring it more back into balance. Well, and I think that every woman does want to feel like the goddess, and we certainly uh, have each of these archetypes in us somewhere. It's just a matter of either remembering or allowing them to resurface or aligning with that energy when we need it, whether it's the strong or the wise or the brave or the loving or the maiden or the uh, sage or the, the old woman, whoever that is, what better way to do that than to start to recognize and understand who these goddesses are and allow them to be our role models. 
I think that's exactly the case. You said it. You said it really well. And the, the pretty famous psychologist, psychoanalyst Carl Jung. Most people know his name. You mentioned the word archetype. He sort of brought that back into our awareness. It comes from a Greek word, and he brought it back into people's awareness. And what he learned, and what he said, which speaks to what you just said, Simran is that if we ignore those archetypes or if we push them under the surface or we say there's something wrong with this aspect and in many ways everything feminine that, that was done to, they do not go away just because we ignore them. What happens instead is that they move into the shadow side of our subconscious and they may emerge in dreams, they may emerge in complexes or even psychoses. And, and I would submit that in many ways that's what's happened to our entire culture and civilization, and much of much of what is is wrong with all of us uh, and out of balance is needing to recognize and, and honor, or at least recognize and understand what the meaning of those archetypes is. Well, and I think that that really is what it's about when it comes to self-realization and the journey of the soul and really digging deeply to discover the many parts that we are. It's embracing that shadow and that light. And when we look at the goddesses, are they um, are they all, and I, I hate to use the word good or bad or positive <laughs> or negative, but I'm, I, and, and maybe you can give me the words to say, but, but are there parts of them that would be, let's say, more creative and other parts that would be more destructive? And how do we use that when we come across perhaps the essence of a goddess that is more of a destructive nature? Again, it's a fantastic question and one that I think is really worthwhile worthwhile exploring and one one way in a sense to begin talking about it is what happened to feminine archetypes in the West as a result of the monotheistic religions. In a sense in the Bible we get Mary, the mother of Jesus, who who is pictured almost as this this um non-human or superhuman figure, and then the other most famous Mary from the Bible was Mary Magdalene, who the church turned into a prostitute. But right. to answer your question about the about the goddesses, for the most part, in my understanding, or the, the way I think ancient people perceived the goddess was very much related to the cycles of life and death. So... So birth and death very much is creation and destruction, as you said. And the cycles of a woman's life was in many ways seen as the the triple manifestation of the goddess energy, the, the young girl or maiden that you mentioned earlier, then the period of time where a woman can give birth, and then the, the latter part of life, the part of the wise crone, was often seen in a destroyer aspect because it brought the destruction of the year, the end of the year, it brought the end of life, it brought the other part of what was always seen as a circle and a cycle. I think in our Western, more scientific culture, civilization, we tend to think of everything as linear, as if we started out in a primitive state and that we're moving steadily along to something more advanced, when in point of fact that's just not accurate. Everything moves in a circle and a cycle and a spiral, and it all comes around again. 
So, and I thought that was a really powerful part of the book that you put right in the beginning. It was in the preface because I think oftentimes when people are going through their experiences, they don't realize that it is such a cycle. And one of the, the most powerful ways you stated it was when you talked about the stages of a woman's life uh, in regard to menstruation and puberty mm-hmm. and childbearing and the cessation of menstrual flow, that all of this is the cycle of birth and death, the actual microcosm of life itself. And if we can look at every experience that we have in that way, in a sense, it almost brings a layer of peace to sometimes the rocky parts that we end up having to cross over. That's right. And the other part of that is is ancient peoples and, and also most cultures on Earth, the idea that we only live one time and that we only get this one shot and it's over is really a pretty recent idea. So most cultures certainly that would have honored the goddess and Hindu cultures, Buddhist cultures, others are the same. I actually think many indigenous cultures are the same point that you're making, if everything happens as circles and cycles, then in this vast universe of billions of years, it's probably infinite in a way we don't understand, we just keep moving around. And so embracing both ends of it, embracing all the, all the stages on the journey and understanding what they mean, then, as you say, it's exactly right. It gives a peace. It gives a sense that there is more meaning to grab all the gusto you can, to borrow from an old commercial, and just building up all the toys or all the money or whatever it is. Life takes on another significance. My guest today is Julie Lohr, author, spiritual teacher, spiritual practitioner of over 25 years of metaphysics. She is the author of the newly released Goddesses for Every Day. This is a collection of 366 goddesses, diverse examples of the divine feminine through time and across cultures. This book of days holds up a mirror so that you can try on a new goddess every single day, seeing your own nature reflected through the timeless examples of women's wisdom and feminine power. These goddesses are meant to act as a daily guide, way showers through the passages of life, engaging the sacred feminine in you. You can connect to Julie Lore at julielore.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-L-O-A-R.com. We'll be right back to explore some of the goddesses. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Our noetic reality, or divine knowing, is the source of true empowerment. Look beyond your limiting thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and perceptions. You were born to co-create and experience joy and fulfillment. Mastering the Shift 
Living Your Noetic Reality with host Rebecca Steele will guide and inspire you each week to live multidimensionally and shift into greater loving and truth. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Network. Awakened media for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World, is written by Julie Lohr. She's a 25-year spiritual practitioner and teacher that has focused on symbols, mythology, astrology, astronomy, tarot, Kabbalah, and the dreams. She's the author of numerous books, including Messengers, The Hidden Power of Everyday Things, and the award-winning Tarot and Dreams Interpretation. Her latest book, Goddesses for Every Day, is arranged as a circle, a meditative journey through the year, with the goddesses organized within the seasonal cycles. Goddesses of dawn and new beginnings are aligned with spring, goddesses of birth and summer, goddesses of harvest and autumn, and goddesses who preside over death are matched to the dark time of the year in the northern hemisphere. The ancient frame of the 12 signs of the zodiac also provides a reference by which the archetypal significance of the goddesses can be understood. Julie, you are a lot about the symbols, and and because of your vast knowledge in these areas, did you find as you were going through and discovering these many goddesses that you were to utilize in this book that there were symbols and there were connections beyond what we have allowed ourselves to know about them in the past? Uh, Yes, and and I think symbols for me is what ties it all together and what seems to be, in many cases, different or diverse ways of looking at things. And one of the things I discovered, I certainly wasn't the first to discover it, but maybe the first person to, to organize it this way, <laughs> Judith Orloff. Do you know Judith Orloff? She has an expression that the shower is the psychic phone booth. So uh, <laughs> I love that. So uh, I, had, I had read in other places, and it was my experience um, in the same way, that around the world in very diverse cultures, there were always certain symbols that were associated with the sacred feminine, the the serpent, for example, the spiral, the chalice or the grail, spiders, uh, especially um, the idea of a grandmother spider. So I wondered about that, and, and I had been reflecting on it. And one morning in the shower, I had the idea... I wonder if if those symbols could be aligned in some way to compare with the signs of the zodiac, and and I found that that was true, and that's how I decided to organize the book. That sort of came um, anyway, really midway through, but it's um, it's something about the nature of symbols and cultures that we might be aware of, like Indian cultures, what Native American cultures, and also the ancient Egyptians used often animal totems that we might call them to represent certain archetypes or certain energies. And so for uh, for example in in Egypt just to give one example the symbol of the goddess Maat who's often shown uh, with scales um, 
weighing and measuring, but her symbol is the ostrich feather. And so at first glance, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So in order to understand what that meant, someone has to understand the nature of the ostrich. Well, first of all, it's the fastest bird. It's also the one who can see the farthest. At least that's what the Egyptians thought. So having that feather as her symbol, her representation, was saying that the goddess of justice or the goddess who to the ancient Egyptians represented right relationship to all things, that the faculty that was required was clear sight and to be able to see things at a distance. So it happened continually, and that is, I think, the way that... uh, Many of the goddesses are portrayed, and if we can sort of boil down what might have been their primary quality or symbol, then we can begin to understand what that goddess represented and how we might evoke that energy to use in our own lives. Well, and I found that really interesting, how you tied together the astrology with the goddesses. And as I read into the book, um, one one thing that you got into was how we were moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And, and you mentioned that 5,000 years ago, the age of Taurus was more about agriculture and fertility, and it was actually more of a, a feminine cycle. And I had a son this past year who is a little Taurus, and before I had him, I kept having intuitives come up to me saying, you're going to have a little girl, you've got a very feminine. There's a lot of divine feminine in this child, so it's a little girl, and then he popped out a boy. Um, But that (laughs) that was really interesting to find that the Taurus symbol was also very much of the feminine. And so tell me how, if a person picks up this book, this, this wonderful book entitled Goddesses for Every Day, and they're going through the daily uh, passages on each of these goddesses, and they're discovering them for themselves. What is the best way for them to utilize this information, discover the symbols, and really anchor the essence of that goddess or find that mirror within themselves so that they can utilize that as a special power in their own lives? Well, I designed the the book and hopefully the the idea of it. First of all, that was why I ultimately decided I wanted to include as many goddesses as, as possible. First of all, I discovered thousands in my research. I was shocked how many there actually are. Gods too, by the way. It's not like they're just goddesses, but I I wanted it I wanted to include as many as possible. I wanted it to be as as practical as possible, hopefully as as Moving, and I also wanted there to be like a call to action, which is what the contemplation part of the book is. So my suggestion, I mean, people can use it any any one of a number of ways. They can, but I think the best way is to is to use a book like this as some sort of a, a guide or an impetus for a daily reflection, either first thing in the morning or at noon or last thing in the evening as a way to contemplate the day or a way to reflect back on the day. Each goddess has a, a key word or, or quality that I thought I could distill, something that might describe her nature, then something about her myth, and then there is a contemplation at the end, which is a bit like a call to action, how the energy of that goddess might relate to an issue in someone's, in someone's life. And I also ultimately chose goddesses where if someone was really curious, really thought, gee, I want this more of this energy, that they might be able to do their own research, find out more, really take in the nature of, of who that goddess is. And, and I also 
did the best I could to write it in in the present tense as if because I believe it's true these archetypes are alive and well and we can call upon them and and take in that energy and use it in our lives there certainly are thousands of goddesses and gods that could be chosen from how did you narrow that down to the 366 that you placed in this book it was a really difficult task i can tell you and because i first of all i wanted to, wanted to include as many diverse goddesses from every single culture i could find on earth most people through their education are probably have probably been aware of some of the greek goddesses some of the egyptian goddesses but it was for me a huge education as well and to find that really every single culture on earth at one point back to the age of taurus as you're saying and earlier have honored the divine feminine it was a surprise to me to find out in the middle east that before islam that culture the arabian culture worshiped a trinity of goddesses and that the transition away from a goddess oriented culture into the monotheistic cultures that we see now uh was something again that's not not talked about that we don't know about so i think um uh choosing the zodiac as the frame and finding goddesses that I felt I could identify with in some way to say, yes, this goddess feels like a Sagittarius or this goddess feels like a Taurus or Aries and that I can feel that energy as part of that goddess's nature. So it was very much a trial and error sort of process and in many ways they also seem to speak to me uh, through the intui- through my intuition in a process that was uh, absolutely fascinating as well. Well, and I, I read some of, of what you've written on your blog about some of uh, almost the mystical encounters, whether it was through dreams or whether it was through um, even, even venturing uh, out of your present state into a, an altered state as you worked with this material. Uh, how did this really affect your life through the process of writing it? It was a magical thing, and sort of uh, out of my uh, out of my ordinary experience. I think it taught me a lot about the nature of what guidance is when we're really open to something. But I, yeah, I had experiences that I would have questioned if I hadn't had them myself. It, it was as if sometimes it seemed that um, I'd be looking for a book and and. I'd knock one off a shelf and it opened to a page and there would be information about a goddess that was exactly what I needed for the part of the calendar in which I was working. I had some amazing dreams during this period in meditations. Sometimes it seemed that the whole circle, it was as if it would come to life and I would see one goddess move from where I thought she belonged to a completely different place and then I'd have to go back and do more research and find out that's right. She makes more sense in this other uh, this other place. I mean, just to name a few, it was an amazing journey, really. Well, and it, it does make sense that it would be that case because the goddess does have to do with intuition. It has to do with creativity and receiving and all of those elements that uh, have been pushed aside in our lives. And with the rise of patriarchy, we really did diminish the feminine, and we really did almost, in a sense, lose part of ourselves because we felt that half of us or half of our humanity was then inferior. And so this resurgence and this reclaiming of our feminine divine nature is really a step closer to our own wholeness. That's right. 
I am with Julie Lohr, author of Goddesses for Every Day. Each day she introduces a new goddess, her myth and her meaning as a sacred feminine presence and guide in our daily lives. A contemplation at the end of each description helps the reader apply the goddess's wisdom to their own life and be transformed. This book can be used as an oracle by setting an intention or asking a specific question and letting the pages fall open in a seemingly random random way, allowing a goddess to spontaneously impart her wisdom and allow your intuitive nature to now take over and let you start to trust that part of yourself. I urge you to connect with Julie Lore at her website, julielore.com, J-U-L-I-E, L-O-A-R.com. You can find out more through her blogs. She has uh, different types of products, consultations, an ongoing schedule of speaking, in addition to an amazing event that will be coming up on 11-11-11, which you know are my favorite numbers, to Egypt. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. I'm with Julie Lore, julielore.com. We'll be right back. Listening on a Higher Dimension. 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Throughout time, people have turned to goddesses as symbols of what they seek, from abundance to healing, from protection to passion. Building on the resurgence of interest in the divine feminine, Julie Lore presents the qualities and origins of an international array of these deities, along with powerful suggestions for putting their attributes to practical use. In a daily reflection format, she gracefully aligns the goddesses with the cycles of nature and the signs of the zodiac. You can connect with her at julielore.com. Julie, we have been talking a lot about how these can be used in our own life and and what we are considered uh, to do with this book when we receive it. What do you really feel like um, 
a person that is very anchored in their faith, um, is this something that they have to be challenged by? Can we have our faith, whether it is Christianity or Hinduism or or any of the number of, of religions that are out there, and still enjoy the fun with playing with the goddesses? Well, of course, I would answer that question. I would answer that question, yes, although I have had, I have had, Christians uh, say to me that I was violating the Ten Commandments by having false gods before the one God, and and um, so I suppose there's going to be some people who can't. But to me, in a sense, even if you don't want to think of this as as beings that might really exist or archetypal energies that are real and can be invoked in some way, it's like any great movie that would be inspiring because of the archetypal nature. I would say it would be like thinking about the Harry Potter stories or Lord of the Rings or some other uh, some other story where we can admire a character, even if we think it's fictional, for what that character represents. So at that level, I believe uh, women especially can understand or benefit from just getting to know what other cultures have thought about feminine qualities, about different ways of expressing feminine nature, divine feminine nature in a very in a very positive way. And also I would say about that, everywhere I have researched, everywhere I have found in any culture where wisdom is mentioned as a quality or as a construct, it's always feminine. No exception. I think that gets back to what you were saying earlier about the receptive quality, the intuitive quality of wisdom. I think it speaks also to the fact that knowledge uh, by itself doesn't give us wisdom, and we need experience to put it together. So understanding that uh, even in the church, the idea of Sophia in the Greek, sapientia in the Latin, those were feminine ideas of the divine, Shekinah in the Jewish tradition. So even within Christianity, that principle of wisdom as a goddess or wisdom as something feminine that we should all seek is present. So it's just one example. Of course, my personal bias is the more we learn and the more curiosity we have about more things, the, the better we'll be as human beings. Absolutely, and I think that throughout history, a lot of wisdom has been passed down through storytelling, and you go into that a little bit in the book. And that oral tradition, even if we just use a lot, utilize the goddesses and even books that may be on other gods, it's more about using them in the storytelling manner if we can't accept them as uh, other beings that may exist and are there to support us, to at least glean from them the wisdom that they do impart. That's right. Another example of that would be the successful young adult books of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. The yes. Same, the same yes. thing. It's another example of uh, of looking at what those different characters might mean, what each one has as a strength or each one has perhaps even as a weakness, and what can we learn from that, as you say, whether we believe it's, it's actually something that exists or a moral to a story that we can learn and benefit by. 
Well, and that leads me right into a question that was on the tip of my tongue, and it was, you know, how important or how powerful can this be to young women, to uh, teenage girls, to women that are, are trying to discover who they are and really anchor in the many aspects of themselves and rather than go into being people that have shadow sides, be able to discover and embrace the different parts of themselves so that they don't have to encounter the challenges of suppressing certain emotions or feelings or actions. Yes, and, you know, in our culture in the West, we've really lost, I mean, both for males, young young boys and young girls, we really lost the idea of rites of passage and of moving from one phase of life to another or even understanding that that's possible. And certainly we don't even think of the idea of a, of a vision quest for a young person. And the other thing that, that we've really lost in the West is... Uh, revering the wisdom of old age. And we spend, I mean, I don't even know, can't imagine what the numbers are that people spend in the West trying to look young or be young or look younger than we are and avoid avoid the appearance of old age at all costs. And so I think for young women, young girls, to understand the same thing, that life is, a journey, a different passage, and that there are different archetypes that they can identify with. And there isn't just one very narrow menu of options that's available. I think it's vital. And I think that you illustrate that, too, through the work that you've uh, done over the, the past couple of decades, just in the various astrology, astronomy, tarot, all the things that you delve in. As we are on our spiritual journey um, it's okay to use many different methods and actually bring them all together uh, to create the story of ourselves. Yes, isn't that the truth? And and to understand that that there isn't just one way to do things. Again, I think that's been maybe one of the the more painful and difficult outcomes of the couple thousand years of monotheism that we've experienced. It's as if you have to believe my way, you have to do it this way, and you're either saved or you're not saved, you're either in or out, and and the idea that there are different approaches, different roads to Rome, as the old expression used to be, and that people have a right to their curiosity. You know, in fact, this is a little bit off the subject, but that was one of the other things I discovered, that in the very, very early days, 2,000 years ago, there was a tremendous diversity in what was at that time sort of a, a religious revolution. And it was only later that this there was this suppression and tell, saying that things were heresy or blasphemy and buried and, and called... Um, can't think heresy. I guess is the is the word I'm looking for, which basically comes from a root word that only means to question or disagree. So I think your point is exactly right. We should be fostering a search as well as as a moral quest and code. But people people really need to come to this understanding and this relationship with the divine on their own, not because of some external force that tells them what to do. Exactly, exactly. We really need to look within ourselves and choose which belief systems and which uh, habits and methods that we've been following have really been our own choice or simply what we have uh, been taught and 
assumed in our own lives. As you go through the book, Goddesses for Every Day, you have done this in a way that each day uh, is dated. If we were to start January 1st, we would go through and discover many different goddesses. And they're broken down in categories of seasons. So explain to me a little bit about what the goddesses of spring mean and the goddesses of autumn and the goddesses of winter and and how this reflects in our life or how we focusing on these particular goddesses during that season helps us to be more powerful. I think one of the other things we've lost... Uh, and uh, now that we have um, artificial light and cultures, especially again in, in the more uh, and more technological cultures, where we have this twenty four seven idea, we've lost touch with the regular cyclical motions of everything. The, the day waxes and wanes with light and dark, the month and the year, and the the larger period of ages, which I mentioned, also does. And I think a lot of us have have lost that sense of ebbing and flowing, of waxing and waning, and what we spoke about earlier of, of life having cycles and circles. So to me it was a natural, a natural affinity to align the, the goddesses of spring, and again we're speaking in the northern hemisphere because in the other part of the world down under it's opposite. But, so uh, goddesses of spring have to do with the goddesses of, of new birth, of dawn, of the young maiden goddesses, now, they also, in the sign of, of, of Aries, which is, was traditionally looked at more as the warrior, there are warrior goddesses there also, and goddesses of, of strength and, and battle. So the idea was to compare the beginning of the, of the seasons of, of spring with the young goddesses of spring, or the ones who are warriors. And the summer, as the light increases... I related to the goddesses uh, more of motherhood and, and individual goddesses, and so each one aligns, each, each group of them aligns with the different zodiac signs. By the time we get to autumn, it more relates to goddesses of harvest and of grain and of all the ways that we reap what we've sown, and then by the time we get into uh, the winter, it has to do with the elder crone goddesses who's who were the goddesses of fate, who cut the length of the thread and whose domain was spinning and weaving, and they are the wise elders. And also, as you mentioned and asked the question about earlier, that's the time, symbolically, when the year dies, when everything is, in a sense, destroyed in preparation for a new cycle, which begins again next spring. So the goddesses are aligned in in keeping with that movement of light and dark in the year. Well, and it seems that with a new year beginning and starting this book in this way with the goddesses of birth and then moving into spring, fall, and then winter, it's an opportune time that if someone has an idea in their mind or something that they've been holding on to that they really wanted to start, this is almost an intentional way to allow yourself to go forward with that project or idea or dream and literally gain the support of the goddesses, birth some strength within yourself from your gut with what you align and mirror with these goddesses, and then have a particular regimen and pathway that you're 
you're focused on so intently that you also create the law of attraction for yourself and manifest what you are looking to manifest. My guest today is Julie Lohr. She is author of Goddesses for Every Day. It is a wonderful book that will help you move through the next year as you create and discover the feminine side of yourself and the much the divine power that that holds. We'll be right back with Julie Lohr to discover a little bit more. Her website is julielohr.com, J-U-L-I-E-L-O-A-R.com. We'll talk to you in just a couple of minutes. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Throughout time, people have turned to goddesses as symbols of what they seek, from abundance to healing, from protection to passion. Building on the resurgence of interest in the divine feminine, Julie Lore presents the qualities and origins of an international array of these deities, along with the powerful suggestions for putting their attributes to practical use. I urge you connect to Julie at julielore.com and to order your copy of this newly released book, Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World. 
and allow yourself to discover the many aspects of you. Julie, you know, I have a, a very strong resonance with 1111, and it's a number that has appeared to me my whole life, and five years ago it appeared to me about a dozen times a day over a three-week period until I finally got so sick of it I screamed out, please tell me what this is or make it stop because <laughs> I feel like I'm going crazy. And in that moment, 1111 Magazine downloaded into my head the very first issue from cover to cover, every word, every picture, the logo, the symbols, everything. And from that time, 1111 Magazine has evolved and is now in Barnes & Noble nationally and is supporting people in their own personal evolution through a wonderful tool of self-coaching. And that then led to my wonderful show, 1111 Talk Radio on 7th Wave Voice America Network, and the opportunity to continue to bring people such as yourself that have such wisdom and power of voice to other individuals that are seeking this kind of knowledge. I know that you have a trip that is scheduled to Egypt on 11-11-11, and that is an incredibly powerful day, and I'd just like to discover what the trip's about and what your resonance is with 11-11 for you to have chosen those dates. Well, I too have had the resonance uh, my whole life with eleven eleven. I have, I have also have a four 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 resonance, and I am frequently awakened in at that time, and uh, as other people that have this this resonance, and and for me, for me, it always the message is always somehow pay attention, stay open, listen to your guidance, know know that. This is not all there is, and know that we're there and that you have support from the unseen realms. Absolutely. So I guess that would be the simplest way I would say it for myself. So I've I've been leading trips to Egypt for about uh, 15 years now, and um, I have never been in November before, but I uh, I, I feel like the opportunity to be in Egypt, which is such a powerful place still, at that opportunity, and interestingly enough, the, I always go at a full moon, and at that time, in November of 2011, the full moon happens at 11.11 p.m. in Egypt on November, wow. on November the 10th, so it's like happening right before the, the day changes to 11.11, so to me, when I learned that, I thought, gosh, I, I have to be there at that time, we'll be at the Temple of Isis during that time, and I plan to do ceremony with people and have an opportunity to be open to that energy and all that it, all that it represents. I see it as a powerful opportunity. Absolutely, and it it is a powerful year that's coming. 2011 is a heightened energy period. We're moving towards 2012, which Mm -hmm. is an opportunity for us to really anchor more in our power and those that are willing to be more positive, willing to truly see themselves as divine beings, will literally accelerate themselves and be able to manifest that much quicker. So all of these events and different types of things and these books that are coming out, such as Goddesses for Every Day, really are the tools and and steps along the way to assist each and every one of us to heighten our senses, to heighten our vibration, to heighten our ability to connect with that divinity within ourselves and really see ourselves as whole beings so that when we reach that wonderful plateau that's coming in 2012 and beyond 2012, that we really anchor into our power and unity as, as a humanity. Beautifully said. 
Yes, I agree. And and for myself, going going to Egypt, and it's part of why I keep being drawn back there, I, I, there's something about a place that has a culture that we know of that had a civilization that, that is continuous for 5,000 years and that honored these divine archetypes and built these amazing temples where you can still feel you can still feel, even even if you're not particularly sensitive about feeling energy. And these different temples were dedicated to different gods and goddesses, and so they hold, in a very powerful way, the archetypal energy of these different principles. So people can travel there, and it's not that you certainly can't have a spiritual experience elsewhere, but it's it's like they act like accelerators in some way or ramp up the energy so that people, similar to what you just said about next year, 2011 and 2012, they're like, I can't remember what the, what the term is for something. There's a word for it on electrical lines where it ramps up the, the energy and shoots it on to the next one. I'm forgetting what the word is for that right now. But it's a similar thing. And so people can have a, a quicker, more accelerated, perhaps even more intense experience than they might uh, just in their ordinary life, even in, even in these times of acceleration. Well, and I find, too, that when people come together as a group, just the fact that there's many people, it, it, it amplifies everything that much more. I mean, it, it was said, you know, where, where two or more are gathered, there I shall be also. And, and I think that that is the case even in these spiritual journeys that can be taken. And then you go to a place that is ancient that has been holding that kind of energy for so long, uh, then it, it can be a very, very powerful experience. So I urge my listeners, if you want to take a wonderful, exotic, amazing spiritual journey. Uh, definitely look into uh, the eleven, eleven, eleven trip to Egypt with Julie Lore, and you can find out more on her website at julielore.com. Definitely look her book up, Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World, and start to tap into the many goddesses that exist and utilize that essence and energy in your own life in the way that's most beneficial for you. I have to ask you, Julie, when you wrote this book, did you end up with some particular goddesses that you really aligned with or that just seemed to be with you through the entire journey of writing the book? Of course, you can imagine that, that that's a difficult question because each in their own way spoke to me. Some are a bit more difficult to deal with their energy because some of them are very fierce. And as you mentioned early on, asking about the destroyer type of the goddess, that's an important energy. But I think, um, I think a few that I really resonated with for different reasons. Of course, I love the, I love the Egyptian goddesses, always have, but I'm fascinated by, by Shakti, the Hindu goddess Shakti. I learned about her, more about her in that tradition. She is seen, or she's seen as the actual energy, the moving force, what allows the entire universe to come into motion and form. And any Hindu god had to have his own, his own aspect, his own consort, who was his Shakti, and without that energy, he could not move. So I thought that was an amazing idea for all of us, because we, we, all, have, um, we all have both. I also 
particularly like the goddess Hecate of Greece. She is a, an elder crone who is depicted as uh, sort of having three faces, one that looks at the past, one that looks at the present, and one that looks at the future. She was often portrayed as standing at a crossroads of three roads and, uh, and guarding people's journeys, especially into the shadow realms, and her, she fascinates me. I also learned um, to love the three goddesses of pre-Islamic Arabia, one who is a maiden warrior, one who is a mother, and one who is an older crone. I learned about the pre, sort of pre-Hebrew goddess Asherah, who was, by the way, the, the wife or consort of Yahweh long before uh, Yahweh became this, this one angry, vengeful, vengeful god, so there were there were many, and of course another uh, is Tara, the beloved goddess of uh, of Buddhism in all of her forms, the goddess of compassion, who in China is is essentially the same as Kuan Yin. So there are many different, and another favorite is Lilith, who uh, has gotten a lot of bad rap, but she's a tremendously tremendously interesting female archetype. In uh, apocryphal stories of the Old Testament, she was Adam's first wife, who refused to submit to him, saying they were created equal and simultaneously. So her archetype is fascinating, and as as the feminine principle that says, I'm going to make my own way, I'm going to make my own path, and I'm not going to be told what to do. So uh, that's kind of a diverse um, sampling of some that spoke to me in a, in a loud voice. Well, I want to thank you for this wonderful compilation of the goddesses of history, of uh, a beautiful tapestry of story and prayer. Uh, if you are looking for something that will draw together astrology and goddess mythology, Julie Lore offers a treasury of images, stories, and prayers. From the familiar to the obscure, each of these goddesses inspires and illuminates. You can connect with Julie at julielore.com. And again, the name of the book is Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World. Thank you, Julie, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. And I look forward to speaking to all of you next week. Until then... Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.